0: Welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF, Woof, Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, hey, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning, and you're going to want to check them out. Don't forget, you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. Today on the show, let the dogs be dogs. It's a phrase I'm sure you've heard before. What does that mean? What does that look like? What should it look like? We're going to get into those details. Then we have a segment called the doodle craze. Y'all are familiar with the doodles. Aren't you? You've heard of them, the doodle? you heard of these doodle dogs? (laughs) Of course you have. They're everywhere. There's every kind of doodle under the sun. And well, I'm just going to tell you my thoughts and feelings on that. (laughs) Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have any uh, questions for that listener, question and answer, send them on over my way. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to message me on social media. Now, before we get going with today's show, got to give you that trivia question. Today's trivia question is going to be, what animal has the strongest bite? Yes, what animal has the strongest bite? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around. Sit. Stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak A Dog Cast, let the dogs be dogs. You've probably heard this phrase before, let the dogs be dogs, and you know, right on the surface there, I don't disagree with the phrase itself. Let the dogs be dogs. I want my dogs to be dogs, I want them to act like dogs, have fun like dogs, play like dogs... And also no rules and boundaries like dogs. And that's probably the disconnect right there. <laughs> that's probably where my definition and most people's definition, or at least a lot of people, maybe hopefully not most, uh, might defer a bit. And look, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, guys. I, I'm I, Clearly, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for thir- 13 years. Yeah, 13 years. Oh, wow. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. And, you know, I would hope after thirteen years that I've learned a lot and I've I've gained a a lot of knowledge and understanding, and I do often I oftentimes say, look, my job isn't necessarily to train dogs, but rather to change the perception, uh, people's perception on what a dog is, right? So that's kind of where we're going today with this, with letting dogs be dogs. We have to change our perception of what a dog is, but also underlying all of this what my job really like the detail part of my job obviously that's like the the kind of description but the detail detailed part of what i do is really observe behavioral patterns assess behavioral patterns and learn how to change them through the use of reinforcers and punishers you reinforcement punishment right uh, kind of uh, you know basic some basic psych like 101 right that that's 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 kind of what my job really is, is i observe patterns and when you observe patterns and when you when you're in a job like mine where you see not just your own dogs, not just one client, but you see so many client dogs over the years and you see so many different breeds and so many different mixed breeds and so many different environments and different places and and you see the consistencies and inconsistencies in people's behavior that creates and manifests into undesired behaviors for dogs. So what I'm getting at (laughs) is in the long way around here is that I kind of can come to these conclusions by observing these behavioral patterns of what a desirable good dog is and not necessarily a good dog and what a dog should be and what a dog maybe we don't want them to be. What a dog should act like, what a dog shouldn't act like. What acceptable behavior is, what what anxious behavior is in a dog, what what non-anxious behavior, what stable behavior looks like. Okay, so really what I'm getting to here is letting the dogs be dogs comes down to understanding what a dog is, how they function in a social hierarchy, and how that applies to allowing them to quote-unquote be dogs. I think the biggest thing with dogs that people forget is on the vast majority, vast whole of dog breeds, they were bred for a specific reason, a specific purpose, a job. And when we take dogs and we we bring them into suburbia and we make them part of our life it's not that they can't adapt because that's what makes dogs amazing they can adapt to that life but only if we provide the right circumstances for them to adapt so like let, let's let's just talk about um I think you know it's a very popular dog breed in the United States and it's the German Shepherd. We have to talk about German Shepherds. It's, it's, everybody can relate. Everybody knows the breed. You're familiar with it. You understand that you know they're used for police dogs. So it's a great dog to kind of just talk about here. Because how many people do we know that have German Shepherds that don't take them for walks that don't give them jobs, and these dogs end up developing anxiety or behavioral issues? Or look, I'm not hating on German Shepherds. I'm not because they're fantastic dogs in the right hands. But that's just it, in the right hands. So how can we let a dog be a dog <laughs> if we don't put the right circumstances in place to allow them to be? Get you know what I'm saying? The German Shepherd was, was, was bred for a purpose. And if we channel their energy and their and their brain and their all of this into a purpose, then they can be amazing, awesome dogs and we can let them be dogs. But if we haven't channeled it properly, what happens when we quote unquote, let a dog be a dog or just take the leash off and have a free for all? It can end badly, can't it? If the dog doesn't know how to deal with that. So, I would love my dogs to go out and run around, but would love I do <laughs> You know when I let my dogs outside of my property, they get to run around. Uh, I'm doing stuff in the barn with the horse, they come over, they explore with me, they chase lizards around, sure. Um, and uh, the bunnies usually know to stay away when they're outside. Uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, you know, they get to sniff and explore and be dogs. We've got this little area on our property that we fenced off. so we've got this nice dog yard that they can all safely go out into and hang out. and there's nice shaded areas and they can sniff and chew on sticks. and we go to the beach, they can play and swim. right? We have a pool they can swim in. My retriever retrieves. I play fetch. There's all these ways that I love to let my dogs be dogs. But what I don't do, I don't let them do whatever the hell they want, whenever the hell they want. I don't let them jump all over people. I don't let my dogs be anxious. You heard me, because people let their dogs be anxious, guys. And they think, that's letting a dog be a dog. Let them be crazy. Let them pant 24-7. It's it's totally fine. It's not killing their little heart or anything. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Um, You know, so, uh, letting the dogs be dogs means channeling what they are at their core into a healthy mechanism. Now, it always goes back. What am I gonna say next? Always goes back to the walk, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It always goes back to that basic walk because if you guys can provide a daily, meaningful walk with your dog, I mean, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked how much better your dog will be. So that's a little side note I'm letting a dog be a dog. One of the best ways you can let your dog be a dog is taking them for meaningful, amazing, purposeful, focused, walks. People underestimate the walk so much. And people do the walk walk incorrectly so much. Um, And so they don't get the results that they could just because they're not tweaking the quality of the walk. Right? Tons of episodes about the walk. Go back and listen to them. Um, But you know what I'm saying here is you've got to give your dog what they need to let them be a dog. And the walk is the most basic way to fulfill that. Now, again, I've got a golden retriever. I'm going to retrieve with her. (laughs) That's another way I can give her fulfillment. I can give her exercise. I can give her fun, letting her be a dog. Do you know what's not letting a dog be a dog? Letting them be anxious. I'm just going to focus, letting them be anxious. We have to focus on that a bit, guys. Because how many people out there, I watch it every day. They don't just let their dogs be a dog. Like they reinforce, or let their dog, excuse me, be anxious. They reinforce and strengthen the anxiety, And they think that's letting a dog be a dog, and it's just not. Dogs are not supposed to constantly be panting, constantly be (laughs) constantly up and down, constantly falling. And oh my God, where are we going? Where are we going? That's that's just not. It's not healthy, guys. It's not healthy. It's not okay, and they shouldn't be doing that. You know. So again, my job really comes down to changing the perception of what a dog is, and that's what I need you guys to do. I need you to think about a dog differently. Remember, they're not human beings, you know? They're not even a primate for that matter. They're canines, they're dogs. They are dogs. They are domesticated wolves. And in that, there is a hierarchy of their social system. In that, there is structure, there is rules, there is boundaries. But there's also playtime, there's also affection, right? So if we incorporate all these things in a healthy way, we can let our dogs be dogs. But man, ugh. It's you know it's fun. Any of you guys that take your dogs to dog parks, I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. And I don't know if I've even told this story, but I'll tell you this story. Years ago, um, there was a a dog park that I would go to in Orlando, in the Orlando area. Oh my goodness, that dog park! <laughs> it was actually a great little dog park. It really was. It had some agility stuff. It was very nicely shaded. It was big. Uh, it actually had a sidewalk. A big circular, like oval, sidewalk in the entire dog park that you could walk around, which is kind of nice because you get off like all the mulch and stuff and walk your dog. Um, and so I utilized it a lot for training, and this was especially way back in the day when I, I didn't have as many dogs coming through the house as I, I do now. And so you know, you had to—I needed to take dogs out into the world more to test their behavior, expose them to other things, train them right. So okay, I'm at the dog park. I have this one dog with me, and it's been with me a couple weeks after boot camp, and we're at the end of the boot camp. And so I need to, you know, it's kind of like, hey, it's graduation time. Let's, let's test it all out, make sure we're doing great. And he had had problems with other dogs. And so we're at the dog park, and he'd been doing really great, mind you. This is the end of the, do- end of the boot camp. He'd really been doing phenomenal. His biggest issue is that he didn't understand how to walk away from another dog when he felt uncomfortable. His uh, natural inclination was to hum! Right? Bite. So we had to teach him to walk away and he got really good at it and he really understood, hey, I don't have to sit here and be uncomfortable. I can just walk away. It's all good. Okay. So dog comes up, dog starts sniffing him at the dog park. He feels uncomfortable and tries to walk away. That dog follows him continuously and keeps bothering him, keeps poking at him, keeps sniffing him obsessively. Right? So at this point, the dog that I'm training hasn't done anything wrong and is attempting to do everything right. The other dog is being too obsessive and won't give up on it. That's not okay. Okay, that's going to cause a problem. That's not acceptable behavior. If the other dog gives off signals, if of, I'm not interested, that dog should take cues. At least you know one, two, three times. Sure, but it turned into like five, six, seven. Okay, the other owner saw it, and I and I saw it, and I could see my the dog I'm training is getting a little uncomfortable. So I needed to go intervene. And I go to intervene, and the other dog's other uh, dog's owner saw it and came over and said, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry." And it's you know, no problem, all good. Like, hey, you're doing something about it. How can I complain at that? Can't. Explain. Awesome. <laughs> And then from the peanut gallery, <laughs> another woman who's not even involved at all in this. Her dog is not involved at all in this. Not that there was much to be involved in, right? It was just, we were just trying to make sure they uh, didn't get into a tiff. Anyway, from over in the peanut gallery here, you need to let them figure it out. I'm not even like screaming at us, basically. And I you know, I try to be polite, ma'am. I appreciate Appreciate it. Thank you. But, you know, we're going to do our thing. Well, you need to be. And she continues. Yeah, I need a lot of I just keeps chewing me out. I continue to try to be polite. I said, ma'am, I thank you. I'm a professional, though. I, you know, I I, I do this for a living. Thank you. Goes, I know who you are. <laughs> I, I had made friends with a couple people at the dog park. There was a regular dog park crew, right? This regular group, Monday through Friday, um, where they were there sometime between basically 8 and 10 a.m., every single day five days a week and they acted like they own the place it's a public dog park but this group some of them are cool some of them are not <laughs> just be honest and this woman can you guess which side she fell into oh my goodness and so yeah I said madam you know, I'm a professional and I know who you are and I said so what's the problem you know I man thank you for your advice and and she just will not let it go and she's trying to tell me I have no business being there and this whole thing and I mean, ah, the audacity of some people. And that's just it, guys. That's the point. Let them figure it out. That's another way of saying let the dogs beat dogs. And what this woman apparently fails to understand is that, one, she has absolutely zero perspective on either one of these dogs' behaviors because she doesn't know either dog. She doesn't know what has happened prior to being in the dog park. So first of all, zero perspective on the situation. Two, not a professional, not a trainer, has never worked in a professional capacity with animals, dogs of any sort. And number three, again, not your dog, none of your business. If it doesn't involve you, it's none of your business. It's a public place. You have no right to speak about it. You know, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. So people like this try to say, let them figure it out. What she doesn't understand is letting them figure it out could mean one dog getting very seriously injured. I'm not saying there isn't a point where dogs need to figure it out, but in certain certain circumstances, certain situations, certain things where the owner and myself knew better, could see this could potentially be a problem because we know those dogs' behaviors... We intervened and we're trying to act like responsible dog owners and what happens? Get chewed out for it. Isn't that incredible? Being proactive in their behavior to head off, which is always what I tell you guys, isn't it? Be proactive about your training and head off bad behaviors. Don't wait for them to happen. People who want to just let dogs be dogs, it's dangerous, guys. I'm just, it, it is dangerous. There's no other way to say it. It's irresponsible and It's dangerous. There is a time and a place to let dogs figure things out, and in a public dog park where you are not familiar with another dog is not the place to do it. <laughs> like, I can't even believe I have to say this. Mind-boggling. Letting dogs be dogs means understanding what they are at their core. They're pack animals and they're domesticated wolves and they're predators. And sometimes letting them figure it out, figure it out means drawing blood, guys. Is that what you want for your dog? Not what I want for mine. Not what I want for anybody's dogs. But that's in their nature. It, that potential is there. And if you don't know behavior well, you don't know another dog's behavior, even as myself as a professional, I'm not willing to risk it with a client dog, let alone my own, uh, in a public place with a dog I don't know anything about other than reading its behavior for 15 minutes in a par- in a public park with 20 other dogs there, you know? I, I, I try to go by logic and reason with this stuff, guys. It's like, you know what? Like, let's, let's, let's bring common sense back to the table here and realize maybe a dog park isn't the best place to let a dog be a dog uh, in that sense. <laughs> by my definition, here it is, guys. It's pretty simple. You want to let a dog be a dog in a healthy way? You need to walk them daily and you need to walk them with purpose, You need to provide the proper amount of exercise, stimulation, rules, and boundaries that the breed you're selecting requires. Understanding your dog is a huge part of being able to let your dog be a dog. Look, I I love being able to let my dogs run, have some freedom, be off-leash, explore, go for hikes, guys, go to the beach. Go, go hike in the mountains. Go find new ways to give your dog stimulation. Play fetch if your dog is a retriever. (laughs) You know, like all these amazing ways that you can fulfill your dog to let them be dogs. Look, when I see these boarding facilities and these doggy day camp facilities where they focus on eating popcorn with your dog and watching the movie and dressing them up and painting their nails and you're paying all the money for this and your dog gets absolutely zero out of it, like literally, your dog isn't getting anything out of that. And you're paying for it. It just perpetuates the stereotype of letting a dog be a dog means treating them like little people. I like doggy day camp facilities that have agility courses, pools that take the dogs on walks, um, (laughs) that have proper playtime, proper toys, group them together properly, staff members that actually put their phones down and pay attention to what their dogs are doing and are taking proper proactive steps to keep the dogs happy and healthy. Crazy, I know, David. Oh, you're, you're just you're being so logical; it's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, guys, you want to let your dog be a dog? Treat him like one. Pretty much is that simple. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. On a Dogcast, the Doodle Craze. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you do. It's the doodles. (laughs) Golden doodles, Labradoodles, Burnadoodles, Cockadoodles, Cockadoodle Doo. (laughs) Every kind of doodle under the sun, everyone is creating. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or is it? Mmm, I may break a few hearts today. Uh oh. Oh my goodness. Look, talk to other professionals. It's not just me. I've heard other veterinarians. I've heard other trainers. I, you know, it's funny. A couple of years back, I used to, I was setting up a table and advertising in this area when I was new and somebody stopped to talk to me and they said they were thinking about getting a doodle. And I told them why they shouldn't. <laughs> oh boy. There it is. Uh Oh, David, you are the doodle hater. It's not true. I don't hate doodles. Just hear me out. Okay. Stay with me here. Now I told this person, you know, don't get a doodle. And there was a woman I noticed who was listening and in on the conversation from a short distance. And she came over and said, I've been training. This, you know, this lady has clearly been been doing this a while. She said, I've been training dogs for 42 years. And that everything he just said is absolutely true. Do not get a doodle. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, look, it, it's not that I hate the doodles. It's not. It's that People get the doodles for all the wrong reasons. Number one, there's my first gripe, and we're gonna talk a lot about this. Number two, doodles are being interbred and overbred, which creates genetic problems and behavioral issues. Yeah. And number three, <laughs> why do we need more mixed breeds out there, guys? Like, what? Do we not have enough? Are we not happy with what's out there? Apparently not. Okay. <sighs> So, so, oh my God. You know, I, it's fine. I gotta, I gotta bite my tongue a little today, I think. (laughs) Look, here's the thing. People get doodles for the first reason and the first reason only a lot of times, right? Um, the first reason is they're hypoallergenic, which is just a load of crap. I've talked about it before. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and the second reason is they're just so adorable. They look like little teddy bears, right? That's what you, oh, they're so cute. (laughs) It's never a reason to get a dog, guys. Neither one of those is a reason to get a dog breed. Like, well, excuse me. All right. Let's, 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 (laughs) before I, I'm going in 20 different directions right now. And that's the problem. We got to bring this in. Okay. Look, hypoallergenic. Let's start there. There's no such thing guys. There's no such thing as hypoallergenic. It's a load of crap. It's a marketing ploy. It's not true. It's simply not true. Well then David, why does my husband tolerate the doodle and not my friend's golden retriever? Okay, I want you to think about that. let's let's start here. If you have a golden doodle, you have half of a golden retriever and half of a poodle, right? Right. So what about that is hypo, hypo hypoallergenic anybody? Anybody? No, it's not. That's the answer. Because hypoallergenic dogs don't exist. Oh, I said it. Good. Okay. (laughs) Here's the thing, guys. And it's funny because my wife is actually getting these allergy shots. You know, she's allergic to like literally everything, including dogs. (laughs) It sucks. Um, So she's getting these allergy shots. She's been talking to her allergist. And I have learned a lot about dog allergies because I'm not going to lie. I'm not a vet. Um, I, I don't know a lot of the specifics of allergies. and So here's the thing. And it's funny because the consensus is what's the consensus. My husband, my spouse, my daughter, my son, they're allergic to dog fur. Isn't that what we always hear? They're allergic to dog fur. And that's actually simply not the truth. They're allergic to dog dander. Kind of true. Here's the thing. The allergist flat out said, the reason most people think they're allergic to dogs is because they're actually allergic to other things like pollen or things the dog brings in from outside. And especially when you have a dog that has fur, has oily fur, thick fur, fur that's meant to grab and hold like a, like a, like a German shepherd, like a lab, like a golden, right? There's the doodles, right? The goldens that's always bred with them. That fur brings in a lot of the allergens inside and spreads them all over the house. Excuse me, all over the house. Whether that's on your bed, your pillows, in the air, on the walls, you're breathing it in and constantly surrounded by it. So she said, in fact, most people don't realize that they're not allergic to dogs, they're allergic to other things. And while some of them might have mild allergies to dogs, it's really the pollen and all the crap they're bringing in from outside. Fascinating. So if you think you're allergic to dogs, why don't you go get tested and confirm it? Might be true, because you might be allergic to dogs, but it's not the fur, It's actually the skin cells that come off, the skin flakes that come off of the dogs. And that isn't some of the dander, right? That's kind of what the dander, sure, but it's not the fur. Fascinating, right? So even if you shave down the dog, you still get, now here's the thing, fur, dander, fur, skin, you know, the skin that, uh, that dogs that have fur, it's going to be different than let's say a poodle. Now a poodle has hair. They don't actually have fur, they have hair. It's the same kind of hair that you and I have, right? Um, so that's the thing, people that are allergic to dogs. Let's go with it, right? Let's just say you are allergic to a dog. If you are allergic to a dog, you're allergic to the to the to the fur dander, the fur skin cells that are coming off, not the hair dander. If you were allergic to hair dander, you would sneeze around human beings all the time, right? <laughs> um, so that's the thing. That's the thing. So okay. David, and again, my husband and my spouse, whatever, my kid, they don't sneeze with the doodle. Okay, so here's why. When you breed the poodle and the golden together, you are cutting down a ton of that of those allergens. And you do have hair mixed in there now. And especially depending on how they breed and which one and this and that and the genetics and how much, bah, 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 you can uh, reduce the amount of allergens tremendously that a dog is going to give off. Is that mean, does that mean they're hypoallergenic? No. Okay, so I, this is just my, one of my biggest gripes with the doodles is just the amount of misinformation out there about them. Okay, so that all aside, let's talk about the energy levels of doodles, guys. Um, you know, I said it, I think it was last episode. I heard somebody recently say, you know, they, they, they can't really walk very well. They're older and that they wanted to get a smaller dog. So they went out and got a golden doodle, six-month-old puppy. It's like facepalm, guys. Because the response was, "Well, it's a small, it's smaller." It's like it. genetically, it's still a poodle, it's still a golden. Do you understand that these are breeds that need a lot of exercise and stimulation, and need to be walked daily, constantly—not <laughs> constantly, but you, you, I'm exaggerating. You get what I'm saying? You know, that's the problem with these doodles: is people get them for hypoallergenic reasons and cuteness reasons, and they don't think about the breeds that are actually in there, behind the brain, in between the ears. And I have discovered when we breed these, these doodles, a lot of times they're interbred, very poorly, to a point that we start getting hyperactivity out the wazoo, to the point that people start thinking that's a normal trait for a, for a doodle, when in fact, it's poor breeding that's creating a lot of these problems. Anytime we get a big popular breed look, it happened to the to Labs, to Golden Retrievers. Goldens in the 90s, especially with like the Air Bud movies from Disney that really sent Golden Retriever popularity up. Uh, there was a few movies in the 90s that featured a full house TV show, late 80s, early 90s, had a Golden Retriever. Right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and that's part of the reason the popularity grew. And wouldn't you know it, interbred Goldens, it started becoming a problem. We saw a lot more genetic issues than we even had seen in the past with Goldens. So it's not that I'm even hating on the doodles, it's the craze that I hate on more than anything. Because I do look, I've got I've got doodles that come to me regularly and some of them I love. <laughs> but I'll be honest guys, some of the biggest troublemakers I've had in this house are doodles. And it mainly comes down to people get dogs they don't know anything about, they don't provide proper stimulation for, and then we get these severe behavioral issues. They don't research the breeders, they get poor breeding you know? So it's not that I'm hating on the doodles, it's that I'm hating on the craze about it and the fact that people don't do research, the fact that people buy dogs on a whim, the fact that people will buy into anything a breeder tells them. A breeder, quote unquote, right? An irresponsible breeder, perhaps. Again, not anti-breeding, guys. I'm all for pro. I'm I'm pro-responsible breeding. I have no problem with that, but we're creating a mutt. You know, that's where you're you're paying $3,500 for a mutt that's not hypoallergenic. And while it may help your problem with the allergies, also might not. So before you go out and spend all this money on this doodle, maybe, maybe go get an allergy test and find out if you're actually allergic to the dog first. Let's start there, okay? (laughs) <laughs> Second thing is let's think about who's actually going to be taking responsibility for this dog. Are you going to be walking it every day for like 45 minutes to an hour, twice a day, like minimum? Because that's what these dogs need, guys. You heard. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here. <sighs> So again, I don't, want, I don't want to get some angry emails tomorrow. Oh, David hates doodles. No, I don't hate doodles, but I hate the craze around it, and I, I really don't appreciate irresponsible dog ownership and irresponsible dog breeding. That's really what it comes down to, guys. That's really my gripe here. So um, be responsible. Be responsible when going out and getting that doodle, and please think about it first. Next on Speaker Dogcast, it's The First Pets. Today on The First Pets, we'll be talking about John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams, he was in office from 1825 to 1829, serving as the sixth president of the United States. Originally a lawyer, Adams was persuaded into politics by his father, who we know as the second president of the United States, John Adams. During his presidency, he pushed better education and reducing the national debt almost paying it off. Boy, that's something I don't think any of us could even comprehend happening today, huh? (laughs) Adams did not have very many pets or animals in the White House, and one of these animals is actually up for contention on whether it was even in the White House. Now, while doing research on John Quincy Adams, I actually came across the story of the (laughs) Marquis de Lafayette. Here is this guy again, gifting animals and giving animals to like every uh, politician in the United States. And he gifted an alligator to the president. Now, the story goes, while touring 24 states in the U.S., de Lafayette gifted the alligator uh, on his trip to D.C. The gator was graciously and excitedly accepted by the president, who proceeded to keep the gator in a guest bathroom in the tub. Now, Supposedly, the president truly enjoyed scaring guests and friends of the White House by showing it off. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. This story has actually been repeated multiple times in articles, magazines, children's books. I mean, everything over the years and more. But while reading, uh, I came across this person who actually did research in trying to validate the claim of the alligator, and they couldn't. In fact, the more that they researched, the more holes they found in the story. Now, one of the most telling signs that this story may be bogus is that John Quincy Adams kept a very detailed daily diary since he was 12 years old. He's one of the most well-documented presidents because of this. Now, one would think that an alligator he loved to scare his guests with would be mentioned, but in fact, it was not. Now, look, I could see a small alligator being brought in as a gift, being put in the, you know, bathtub as a you know, couple months as he grows sure and show it off. You know, like even animal rescue I used to volunteer and work with, they actually had a very small alligator. He had a genetic issue where he didn't grow very big. And oftentimes when it got cold, she'd bring him inside and put him in the bathtub, <laughs> give him some water, give him a heat lamp, and he was good to go. So I, I literally could see that, <laughs> but... To me, the diary is the most telling piece of evidence that this story just well, it just didn't happen, uh, as well as the fact of uh, like you know the, the actual lack of actual information regarding the alligator in the White House during the Adams presidency. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q and A. The first question today comes from Steve from Miami, Florida. Steve says, "My neighbor's dog barks all night long. They put him out into their backyard at night, and he barks at anything he hears, which is a lot because we live in Miami. (laughs) I have asked the neighbor to bring him in, but they've ignored us. What can I do to get some peace and quiet at night?" Oh, Steve, that stinks. I feel your pain, buddy. Uh, you know, look, yeah, it's it is Miami, it's gonna be noisy, and if this dog is triggered, that's tough. Um you know, I, I, depending upon where you are in Miami, I'm pretty sure that certain cities within Miami might have sound ordinances, uh, decibel levels that they're not allowed to, um, go by. So, or go past, you know what I'm saying? So the point is they might actually, and even a lot of them even include animal nuisances, animal noises, uh, dogs barking can be one of those. So the first thing I would do is look up your local city, County, whatever ordinances, laws, and see if there's anything that can work on your side to your advantage. Because obviously, the first thing I would suggest is go talk to your neighbor. You already did that, it's not working. So, second option is to see if the law is on your side on this one. Because if it is, go through the proper channels. You know, that's a pretty easy one. Document it. There are apps you can actually download that are decibel level apps go out and get a recording, take a picture of it, take a video of you recording the decibel levels of the dog barking up against your fence at night. Because again, if they're breaking those rules, it's very easy to document it, send it into the proper authorities, and they can ticket them and so on and so forth. Again, though, it's going to depend on what your local ordinances and laws are. I don't know uh, in Miami what that all is. And like I said, it probably depends on where you even are in Miami. So check that out. See if that can help. Other than that, it stinks. That's, that's part of living in a city, uh, unfortunately, isn't it? I would recommend noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> if you can't do anything about it otherwise, that's about all you got because you're saying it's in the backyard. It sounds like the dog's contained. So if they're not breaking any other rules or laws, I know it's not what you, what you want to hear, but what can you do? Oh, sorry to say that. Sorry to be the bearer of the bad of bad news there, but hopefully there's maybe something on the legal side that can help benefit you there. Next question. This comes from Angie from Palm Bay, Florida. Angie says, my dog is too strong for me to control. We adopted him a few weeks ago and have been trying to calm him down. My husband can walk him, but he, he even struggles with him. Now I'm worried he's going to hurt me. He's already pulled me over a few times and I don't know what to do. He, uh, we've tried the gentle leader. We've tried three different harnesses, even the no pull ones and nothing is working. Help, (laughs) Angie, good question. Look, a couple things to be said here. First of all, I'll be honest, if you can't physically control your dog, you know, that's a problem. Maybe we should have gotten a little bit smaller of a dog. That's just full-blown honesty right now. Just throwing that out there. At the same time, he's a rescue. He's a new dog. Maybe with some training and some correct tools, we can get that under better control. But hey, you know, I, I try to look at it from, um, in a worst case scenario, you need to be able to physically control your dog right? Because if you can't, it could be a problem. I mean, simply put. So that's the first thing I'll say. Second thing I'll say is, yeah, the harnesses are god-awful, and the no-pull ones, they work real well, don't they? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the harnesses are awful. Stay away from the harnesses. And the gentle leader, you know, I, I've, I've, I've never had success. I'm not a big fan of the gentle leader. I'm not going to go into that today. So, yeah, those tools are not ones I recommend. Being that he's a big dog, look, you can start with a Martingale collar. It's my favorite go-to collar, but you may have to take it up from there. You may need to go to a choke collar and... And even possibly a prong collar, you know. I, I want to avoid that, and that's why I say start small and go bigger. But it's all about using these tools correctly. You need to understand how the tool works, what the tool is designed to do. And then be able to apply it correctly, you know. So maybe getting with a trainer might be a bit, uh, a good option for you, you know. Being that I, I can't see the dog, I don't know exactly. Maybe you know we can we can talk more. We can try to maybe do some virtual training if you're interested in that. Um, but you know you got to get with a trainer one way or the other. You got to start working with somebody to teach you how to use these tools and to get your dog under control. You can try treats. Um, I don't know if you've tried that. You can try treats, but we don't want to bribe them. We want to try to redirect and reinforce. Mm, that's a whole thing. We we could get into a whole 30 minute segment on that, right? Um, so we're not going to do that, but there's lots of other segments you can check out that may help you. But to me, the first thing you have to do is start with the proper tools. Get a treat pouch, get treats and get the proper collar and leash. Okay. You're going to want that martingale, then up to a choke if that doesn't work. And then up to the prong if that doesn't work. Big dog may require a bigger tool. Okay. Treats in a treat pouch. Yes. Try to regain focus with your dog. Uh, try to gain focus with your dog, excuse me, reward that focus and see if you can't transfer that out over onto the walk. Little easier said than done. There's a lot of information that's gonna go into maybe fixing this thing. So again, trainer might be another option and idea too. Uh, But you know, be smart about it and let's make sure that we have physical control over that dog soon because I don't wanna see you or anybody else getting hurt. The answer to today's trivia question, what animal has the strongest bite? It's the crocodile. Yes, the saltwater crocodile has the highest recorded live bite of 3700 PSI, while the Nile crocodile has an estimated bite of 4 to 5000 PSI. <music> That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every single Wednesday morning. Follow me on Instagram at Dogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.